Hello and welcome to the Trucking Driver Podcast. I'm Dougie Rankin and I'm joined today by a special guest. It's Michael Hughes from Hughes Driver Training. Now, we were sent a press release uh, on behalf of the company the other week, which um, was explaining about all the drivers that had put through their test and the things that they're doing. They also happened to have a really interesting old Scania 113, which was done up like a sort of retro training truck. So uh, delighted to have you on the podcast, Michael. How are you doing? How's things today? Hi, Dougie. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I'm doing uh, I'm doing very well. Yeah, not bad. Not good. bad yourself? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. It stopped blowing a gale. The last two, I was recording a podcast last night with one of our contributors, Chris Madison, and it was a crazy storm outside. Bins were getting blown down the road and everything. So it's much nicer today, which is good. <laughs> so do you want to tell us a bit about uh, Hughes Driver Training? Um, you'd mentioned before we'd started that it was your granddad who'd set the company up. So when was that and how have things kind of developed over the years? Yeah, definitely. So, um, so yeah, we were, we were, we're a family company still now. My granddad started the company in uh, 1989. He started out of a little farm down, just down from our local town, Loughborough. You know, him, one truck, one bus. And then kind of as the years progressed, my dad then joined him after my dad was, my dad was a, a transport manager for, um, for a big haulage firm prior to that. He then joined my granddad's helped him run the business. And then after then, we, we kind of went from strength to strength. Over the last the last 20 years, since my dad got involved with it, we've kind of developed and, and kind of adapted with, with the economy and, and what's happening in the logistics sector. And then last year, early last year, I joined myself. So now we're on to, I'm obviously the third generation that's involved. So we're looking to kind of cement ourselves at the top of the, of the industry, of the sector, for the, for the training. And um, we're, we're well on our way to, to doing that at the minute. And, um, and we're kind of making some really good progress. And we're looking to constantly watching the economy, seeing what's happening in the sector and, and constantly trying to adapt the best way we can. Yeah, well, I guess, I mean, there's, there's obviously been a lot of changes in driver training over the years because in years gone by, you could go straight through and do what was your class one at the time and do it with a short single axle flatbed trailer. And, yeah, then all, and then that all changed when driver CPC came in. Things got a lot more complicated, and then they brought in ballast as well, which you've got on running the trucks as well now. So I mean, you guys are constantly having to update the equipment that you use as well. I guess what what sort of stuff have you used over the years? Because obviously you've got that old the Scania one one three, which had kind of done up. What did you what did you start off with, and kind of what have you kind of evolved into having today? Yeah, so in in the eighties when it was the story, so the story behind the Scania is so so when the company was started in the eighties, my granddad had an old two series two series Scania with, with just a, a twin axle flatbed flatbed trailer that he was using, and then obviously times have gone on and, and vehicles have been replaced and updated and whatnot, and then it must be about five or six years ago now that my dad bought a three series Scania because um, he couldn't get another two series at the time there wasn't one on the market that was in good enough condition so he bought a three series had it restored repainted in exactly the same livery as, as what my granddad had in the 80s on his first truck and he gifted it to my granddad as a, as a gift as a, as a present for him and um, and now we use the truck for for promotional purposes now we use um, use it for shows and, and things like that we've actually got we've got a truck from each generation so we've got my granddad's truck from when he started we've got we've got a DAF CF from my dad's sort of era, and now we've got a um, we've got a Renault T range at the minute that's kind of from my era. So we've got a truck, and the the, the good thing is every truck's kind of showing the growth of the company. Mm. So the Scania's in the original livery from the eighties, 
the daft in the livery from the, the noughties and then the Renault is in the new like corporate marketing and, and corporate livery that we've got now. So we've got one showing every kind of uh, the, the change in the generation of the company, you know, saying that, look, we've been around for generations. We're not going anywhere. We are, we're here kind of thing. And this is, this is our growth that you can, that you can kind of see, which has been fantastic. Yeah. Well, I mean, of course, the biggest change that happened was driver CPC when it came in and what was it the end of 2009, I think that came in for, for yeah. drivers, which made the test a lot more complex to, to go through and pass. So in terms of driver trainers and things, how many vehicles do you have now and how many trainers do you have? What sort of services do you offer as well? I guess sort of broader sort of question there. Yeah, so we're running. A, we've got about seventy-five trainers at the moment. Seventy-five instructors. Wow, seventy-five. Um, I all, take it they're based all over the country. Yeah, then. yeah about yeah. So we've got fifteen sites nationwide. Um, seventy-five instructors spread across all all the sites. We're, the furthest south we've got is um, Hook, just outside of Basingstoke, and the furthest north we go is is Durham, and then we've got depots dotted everywhere in between of those. So it's a big, it's a mammoth task trying to organise and plan and, and kind of arrange everything that needs to happen day to day for the for the company. You know, we have the candidates come in every day. We've, they've got to make sure they're at the right place, right time. We've got to make sure the vehicles have, are all maintained and looked after properly. And we've got to make sure that, you know, at the end of the day, the candidates are getting the best possible training that they can, we can deliver, which is, we, we like to believe we're trying to, we are delivering a five-star service and, you know, we're, we're constantly trying to, improve what we're doing and, and constantly upskilling staff internally to, to make sure that we are delivering that that five-star standard do you have a, do you have a particular type of um, vehicle that you prefer for like your arctics and ridges or have you got quite a, a mix of things yeah so we've got um we've got we've got a bit of a mix most of the fleets is is, is daft we've got about we've got about two-thirds daft and then we've probably got that that's a mixture that mixes up of um cf rigids four by twos and then we've got cf and a couple of xf tractor units that are all four by twos and then we've got probably 25 to 30 renos on fleet we've, they range from we've got the the box body d ranges and we've got the the t range tractor units in four by two and, and six by two splits and, and all that kind of stuff as well so we've got a bit of a range and then we've got we've got a few we did have a lot of Volvos, but we started to, to kind of phase out the Volvos for the DAS just purely for fuel economy. When you like you say, you're running, you've got to run ballast now. So everything that goes for test has got to be loaded. So when you're pulling a load, you know, you've got to look at your fuel points. How much weight do you have to put in them now? So it's not they're not gonna be fully loaded. Mm. They'll run about a 10, 10, 12 ton load on the back of them if it's an if it's an Arctic, you know, they'll have they'll be about two thirds loaded. Um well, I dare say it's it's enough to make a substantial dent in your fuel economy if you were previously running unloaded, and of course. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. When it came in, it instantly. When that when the when the regulation came in that the the load had to be there, it, it instantly overnight. You know, it affects your fuel bill, it affects your course prices, and and your running costs of the business, and your tire wear, your vehicle wear, all that kind of jazz. That all shoots up, so. It's a massive extra cost that's on the business. Yeah, it's. I remember when it came in. I remember a couple of like little local guys to me were absolutely flipping out about it. They weren't happy yeah, yeah. at all. But of course, the nature of what training trucks are doing as well. They're not necessarily sitting on the motorway for long periods of time. They're starting, it, yeah, stopping, yeah. and going up and down the gears all the time. So it is. Yeah. 
it does make uh, quite a substantial difference to things. And of course, the price of AdBlue, that's not cheap anymore either. And Euro 6 trucks no. use a lot more of it <laughs> in some cases. Yeah. So. One of, the, one of the biggest stumbling blocks for people is the cost of training. You know, people say, I would love to go and do this, can't afford it. You know, that that's one of the barriers to get into it. You've mentioned about when we started about the economy and things, things like that. So obviously we've had, we've had a hell of a last few years with the pandemic where the, the DVSA just downed tools for an awful long time as well. They weren't really doing anything. Do you have like ways for people to finance training? Yeah, so um, we don't we don't offer finance ourselves as a company. Um, we used to a few years ago, and we've kind of have come away from that now. But I mean, there's lots of schemes out there. There's the the government boot camp scheme, which they started last year after the pandemic to try and when the when the driver shortage was was all over the news. You know, when uh, when Nando's ran out of chicken, it all of yeah. a sudden became a problem. So. It's been a problem that we've known about for 20 years, but no one else wanted to speak about it until they couldn't get the chicken. So, yeah. I, um, I, I don't think a lot of people know about some of the schemes and support that's out there to get you started. Like they've got that government boot camp scheme, I've had like the press release about it in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, but, yeah. It, I, I don't think it's widely as publicised as it, as it could be for pe- to no, help people not. like that. What what does that entail then, that boot camp scheme? Do you know how you can like apply for that? Is it off like the government? Yeah, website? so you have to um you apply through through your local government website and what it but what it basically is it's taking people that are out of work currently, they get a, a work coach and a, and a tutor, they'll go through a training program which could be um obviously the, the HGV boot camp. They'll do their training, they'll they'll hopefully pass their test at the end and then they'll be work interviews um, and work placements arranged for them. So they'll go for an interview and the, the goal is to take people that are unemployed and, and at the end of it, mm-hmm. they have a job and a, and a career from it. There's other schemes as well, you know, DWP, they do a lot for, for the unemployed as well, helping fund their training and get them into work. So we work closely with DWP for a lot of our candidates as well, helping them get into work and, and whatnot. And we do, we work closely with a lot of companies as well that are recruiting drivers. And we also like to, to you know, market that and, and, and help the companies. Well, if the companies have got a shortage of drivers, we've got, obviously we're training thousands of people every year that are, are coming through and, and passing the test. So if we can help the industry as well by, you know, putting those new drivers into the, into the roles that they want and into the, and the companies that are requiring those roles. And that's, that's fantastic as well. Mm-hmm. Now, now, there was quite a lot of controversy in the last sort of year or so when the government introduced more changes to the test where they said you didn't have to do the reversing test, which wasn't strictly true because you, del- you did still have to do a reverse. It was just it was outsourced. So, and also, I mean, they made some other changes like they, they basically gave everybody car trailer entitlement which had been taken away in 1997. Did those recent changes to the driving tests um, affect you? Do you have to do things differently now? Yeah, definitely. So the car and trailer didn't affect us as much because there wasn't a huge demand on the car and trailer license. There was there was always a steady stream of it. There was never the demand that there's ever been on, on you know your category C, your category CE. So when they when they got rid of car and trailer, what we actually found was the demand for that went up. So rather than people testing what happened was people people are scared and, and people are anxious because they don't want to drive say their caravan now that they can tow if they've not had any training so we'd have people come to us and say look can i have a two three day training course 
I've got a caravan. I'm now legally allowed to tow my caravan, but I've never had any training on it before. And we were getting a massive influx of people wanting wanting training and, and, and you know, upskilling to, to be able to tow a trailer or a caravan or, or whatever they're, they're pulling, which was good. And then with the, like you said, with the test, yeah, with the reverse test, they split the test. So you used to do your driving course. At the end of your course, you'd sit your reversing test and your driving test and your on-road driving test consecutively. What they did is they split the test. I think it was back end, I can't remember the year, I think it was back end of 2021, they yeah, split it. Was, so they yeah. split, they split the, yeah, they split the test. So you've now got to do your reverse maneuvers separately to your on-road test. So you can sit, you can do a course Monday to Friday. And if you're good enough, you can sit your reverse test on the Tuesday. And then you can sit your driving test on the Friday. But the difficulty that the difficulty comes trying to one book the reverse test because you used to have one test booking that covered both tests. Now you have to find two test bookings and finding it's called a 3A. So finding a 3A booking in an area where there's not a lot of 3A assessors or there's not a lot of available tests is, is very challenging. It's one of the biggest challenges we've faced as a company the last two years, that test been split. And it's, it's caused a lot of headaches, a lot of late nights, a lot of, a, work, a lot of work and effort and investment to try and, you know, get those tests and get the allocations of tests higher and where we need, need to get them. So in the end, or in the, not in the end, but we've, we've created our own reverse incentives. So we've got our own test sites to carry out the 3A tests. We've upskilled our own staff internally that can assess and examine the 3A reversing um, driving, which means we can bring a candidate to our site that's been training with us and we can then get one of our examiners to examine them on our site. We haven't got to wait for a DVSA test to become available or, or try and fight for a DVSA test to examine the 3A, which means that candidate feels a lot less pressured. They've not got to be trekking to different test centres to get a reversing test in. They come to one of our test centres. It'll be local to them. They can do the reverse, and then they can just focus on the driving test then and get the driving done at the end of the week. Oh, well, that, that's that's really good because that was that was a real bone of contention. I mean, there was a lot of misinformation about it where people thought you didn't have to do it anymore. It's one of those things, and I think it's one of those things where you kind of get set. You, you work out how to do that one thing in the test, but once you get into the real world, you're starting from scratch again almost. Once you're oh, going yeah, into exactly. busy, yeah, once you're yeah, going into an RDC and you're trying to back onto a loading dock and there's other people sitting there, but yeah. no, when no, you're, you're against the clock, you know you've got mm. the weather could be against you. You, you know, mm. it's completely different in the real world. Mm. <laughs> you, you say you've recently joined to come over to work for the company. Yes, yeah, so I, I joined beginning of the last year. Before I was, I've always been kind of around and. And, and within the industry, I, I mean, so I started my trade as a truck mechanic originally. I worked for Volvo Trucks for seven years as a, as a truck mechanic for them. And that was a, that was a terrific job. Loved it. Learned, learned my craft from there doing that. And then I moved from there to Volvo's training academy. And I was training Volvo apprentices at, at the Volvo training academy. And then, um, and then I left there, went to work for MAN Trucks. And I ran a dealer for, um, for MAN Trucks for about, about a year. And then my dad came knocking and uh, what asked me to to uh, come into the business and, and help him with the business. And, and you know, between us, I'd like to think we're we're a pretty good team. We, you know, we get on really well with it, and we, we just kind of we bounce off each other really well, and we, we kind of just just dig in and, and and get it done really, which is is kind of what I think he's been after. 
mm. for, for a while. What's your dad's name? Carl. So, are you kind of overseeing the operation or do you go out and like actually, are you in the trucks testing people and like sort of training people rather? Yeah, no. So, I'm, um, so I'm, I'm one of the directors. I kind of oversee the day-to-day running of the operation, you know, accounts, making sure we've got the vehicles in the right places, making sure the vehicles are all fixed, got got their their inspection schedules sorted, you know, dealing with anybody's issues they've got and all that kind of jazz. So I'm not actually, you know, boots on the ground delivering the training myself. You know, I'm kind of overseeing and, and making sure that everything is, is doing what it needs to do and everyone's yeah. doing the right thing. Is it now is it just truck training or do you do like buses and excavators and you know, did the ADR and CPC, all those other kind of things that kind of are associated with transport but not yeah, so we, directly? So so we'll do any any truck license from a from a C one, so your seven and a half turn up to your Arctic. So we'll do C one. We'll do C1E, we'll do your, your class two, your class one. We'll also do your minibus, we'll do your bus, and we'll do your, your bus and trailer as well. So your D, D1, D1E, all that jazz. And like I said, we used to do car and trailer, but we don't do car and trailer anymore. We also do all the CPC training. So we do the CPC, the theory CPC training. Um, we can do the, the module four CPC practical training, and then we can also do the periodic cpc training as well ah the full the full shebang for all that the full lot, yeah. yeah the only things we don't do we don't do we can't do adr but we've got a lot of, of friends we know that can you know deliver the adr for us and we don't we don't do cars or, or um you know bikes or anything like that so it's, it's just just hgv good stuff so what's your plans for 2023 are you going to be getting out to some shows and events and things like that with the old scania some of the fleet yeah definitely i think so yeah we've got um we've got a couple of local ones to us that we're doing and that we've already booked up for in the summer we've got a, it's called remston remston steam rally in july that we're booked up for already i'm going to take take a few down there we're going to do the the peterborough truck fest last one this year it's what, sorry? It's the last one at Peterborough this no, year. Heard, They're going to yes, build houses so, yeah. on it all, so it's going to have to move somewhere else. So, it's always jam-packed with stuff that, that that show. So I guess it will be especially so this year with it being the last one. Yeah, 100%. 100%. It's, it's going to be... Uh... It's a shame. I mean, they're doing it with everything. Right? They turn everything into into houses, building everywhere. And it's, uh... But I mean, you know, one last to run. Hopefully they find find something else for it and, and another location that can yeah. get it up and running again. Yeah, I think they have got another location sorted, but it's been there for that long, you know. And um, yeah. yeah, it would always be it would always be trucks struggling to get into the place because it was so busy and things. Yeah, so we'll definitely be heading along to that this year as well <laughs> to go and take in the, take it all in and see how see how it see how it all goes in that. So now that's that's been it's great. a good event. Yeah, that's been great. Is there any, any anything else you want to talk about company wise or that you want to you want to run through anything you'd like to mention in particular? No, I mean, we're looking at, at really, we're, I mean, we're delivering, you know, hundreds of tests every week. We're delivering 250 tests a week at the moment, which is, is fantastic numbers we're getting through. And we just need to, we, we, we are the biggest in the UK at the moment. We want to just cement ourselves in that position and, and as, as the best as well. And we're looking at, you know, we, we just encourage people and we're there to, to give people hope and, and help people. You know, there's, there's so much opportunity that opens up when you've got your, your truck license. You know, you can do anything. You can, you, the, the industry is huge with massive scope and massive potential for anybody that's open-minded enough to, to you know, shoot for the, for the stars and aim for the biggest goals. That, the industry that you're going into is, is going to be something that can, can facilitate any, any of your goals. 
Yeah, it's, it's extremely vast and diverse, and you get you can get out of transport, you know, pretty much what you put in. If you want to just be a sort of bum on a seat and a steering wheel attendant and be miserable, then you can very much be that. But you know, if you want to, if you want to invest in it, you've got the enthusiasm and the capabilities. There's all sorts of diverse things that you can you can get into. And, uh, you know, no, nobody needs to be working for, like, one of the bad guys or, you know, some horrendous hollier these days, really, like, you know. But there is a, a relative shortage of drivers, but I always say there's a shortage of good drivers, you know. Yeah, exactly, there, yeah. Not, I mean... There's not a shortage of idiots, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know there, there's not a shortage of guys who don't care and things like that, but the guys that are actually have a bit of passion and enthusiasm, they're the guys that the hauliers always kind of want, but can never quite get enough of them, I find. If you've got a guy who's got 10 trucks, he might have six good guys, and four that are kind of like coming and going and things, you know, they never kind of settle down, and they can never get that last four to be like the other six, sort of. Yeah, it's, chal- it's challenging. Got a it's broad challenging. brush there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's... Um... Yeah, I mean, and, and, and every year there's new challenges every year with with drivers retiring, with drivers leaving the industry. That itself creates a massive need for new drivers. You know, I, 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 there's probably more drivers leave the industry every year than what I get freshly trained to go into it, even with the numbers that we're training. Oh, so, absolutely. The COVID pandemic and the end of the oh, CPC yeah. in 2019. And of course, I really don't agree with what the government did with self-employed drivers as well, because I know there were some bad guys who were gaming the system and things, but there were a lot of genuinely self-employed oh, yeah, drivers out there yeah, I mean, who were working for we, various companies and paying the tax. And it's that and the other factors, the pandemic, people retiring at the end of 2019 when the second CPC came round, all that combined, it's definitely left a gap and they are still there is still a struggle to get people to get people to come into the other end. I was at a meeting last week about how they're go- there's a one hundred million pound fund to improve truck driver facilities in England. Yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah, but how do you apply for it? I said, like, how do you apply for it? And they're like, oh, we'll send you the details because the deadline's the twenty fourth of February, and if the money doesn't get taken up, it will go back into the treasury. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's. Um... But I'm like, people don't know about this, and they don't know how to apply to it. And of course, it all kind of shakes. It all complements each other. If we had better facilities, more people would be interested in coming back into the industry. I think, and it would be. It would make life a lot easier for drivers that are already there, but it's not really happening at the moment. Um, um, I love to go and do something separate uh, on that meeting that I had. I was speaking to the roads transport minister there for a short while, but this, I mean, they, they haven't sent me any of the details, and that was a week ago, which just shows you how efficient the government is when it comes to stuff like this. They should outsource it to independent companies who would yeah. have the capability and the knowledge to go and sort all this stuff out. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it is a shame. I mean, the industry, it's, it is constantly, it is constantly improving. You know, the facilities are constantly getting better. You know, the, the, the weight, like, I mean, the wages that they were paying at the, the, the peak of the, of the shortage was ridiculous. So, you know, they're constantly, they, they realise how much they need lorry drives. You go to your supermarket, your shelves are lined. You've not got lorry drivers, your shelves are empty. And people didn't realise that until that time. And I think they've now, they've, their hands kind of been forced to put this, this budget in place to, to improve facilities and improve, you know, the sector for drivers and whatnot. So they're going to have to, they're going to come under constant pressure to, to make the improvements. 
Yeah, well, I hope some of it does make a difference. Yeah, the roads minister also said as well that they've made changes to planning permission, and if if there's local authorities pushing back, say for example, you've got a truck stop with twenty spaces and you're trying to get forty, and the planning permission's coming back because people are complaining because they live three miles away, the government have he said, you know, we'll overrule this, we will push this planning through, you will get it, and all that, and it's like. Well, you're saying all the right things now, and it's nice to hear you saying the right things, but it needs to be developed into action. Yeah, they've got to they've got to see the actions and see the the actual investment. Is it just, you know, it's all good saying everything, but they've got to to action, haven't they? And I think you know, I think from the meetings I've had, I think it's it is getting better and it is constantly improving. I think I think they are aware, and I think they want to to help with the industry. They want to resolve the issues that we have. You know, we've we had. I mean, last year, middle of last year, we were getting, we were we were struggling for tests. You know, we had a, a huge demand and a backlog of, of people wanting to do do training and do tests, but we could not get the tests. You know, and we were having back and forth meetings almost daily with with, with the DVSA and, and the government bodies to um, you know to to try and get more tests, get our own test centres up and running, and, and you know get our own. And, and try and improve it that way. And, you know, now towards the back end, I mean, it, take, it take, takes a while to, to get everything going. But, you know, last quarter of last year, you know, the, the beginning of this year, we, we, we are getting a lot more tests through now, which is fantastic. And, you know, people can come in and, and there's a test there for them, which is, is fantastic. Well, it's good Whereas to hear before, Yeah, before, you, you know, you'd have people waiting months and months and months for a test that you don't know if you're going to get because, you know, there's... Yeah, there's, then, there's, not a te- there's not a test there. And then you've got the additional pressure on you that, oh God, if I don't pass this, is it going to be months before I can get another test exactly, again? Yeah, because, exactly, yeah. You know, yeah. When, I, I, I failed my class one the first time out because I went and hit the bloody cone in the reversing test. Uh, but thankfully, like two days later, I was able to get a retest, went straight through it, boom, passed. That was me, yeah. that was me sorted. But of course, yeah, it changed into that really stressful situation for people where they're like i want to go and do this and you know i can't get a bloody test but you know that's yeah. that's progress the, the facilities and the thing i mean it's like a it's a, a, a long drawn out process and i hope they can go in the right direction I mean, we do take steps back as well in scotland lockerbie truck stop shut which was a massive loss because oh, well the, the owners wanted to sell the truck stop and the people who wanted to buy it, the the only show in town, didn't want it to be a truck stop. So now it no longer is. Right. You know, the council didn't do anything about anything like that. And there needs to be certain, there's certain planning application changes now as well. Where if you're building some super RDC at the side of a motorway, you now have to take into account your truck traffic going through that. And facilities yeah. should be, it doesn't say must be, it says should be sort of included. There's a lady called Sam Bradley who does an awful lot of work with a scheme called Truckers Toilets UK. I'm getting on the podcast uh, next week as well, and she's going to talk more, more about that. But uh, I, it's, a, it's a long, slow process, and I say there's a, it's a matter of getting new people in the industry as well. What we're going it to is, do yeah. in Truck and Driver, because, well, I'm now editor-at-large rather than editor, we're going to be doing some extra-sized issues and we're going to have themed content and we're going to be doing, like, you know, an issue themed on Volvo, probably daft British trucks, but we want to do one in um, new drivers as well. I thought about doing one on sort of legends of the road, like, the you know, the famous old drivers who've got, like, 50 years' experience. But yeah, we wanted yeah. to do one based all around new drivers and we changed because initially the first time it came up, it said young drivers. And we went, no, just new drivers because you get people who are 45, 50 years old, even older, who they say, you know, I've always wanted to do this. 
and then yeah, they come yeah, into the industry as well. And if you're 50 years old in this industry, you're not you're not even old, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I'm that's I'm it. I'm 43 and I still get oh you're just a young and new. I'm like, well, you know, I shouldn't be really. <laughs> you know. That's been fantastic. Thank you very much for your time, Michael. We'll uh, look to do something with you in the magazine on the, the fleet, maybe based around that uh, Scania that you've got. And um, it's not long till Peter Barassa will be seeing you there as well. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Truck and Driver podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To keep up to date with the latest news, 100% for drivers, visit truckanddriver.co.uk where you can also subscribe to the print edition of Truck and Driver magazine, which publishes on the last Friday of every month.